Chapter Nine of the Bronze Eagle by Baroness Orksey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Giants, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Tarpian Rock. Rain, rain all the morning. God's little tool, innocent-looking little tool enough for the remodeling of the destinies of this world god chose to soak the earth on that day and the formidable artillery that had swept the plateau of austerlitz the vales of marengo the cemetery of Ilo, was rendered useless for the time being because up in the inscrutable kingdom of the sky a cloud had chosen to burst or had burst by the will of god and water soaked the soft spongy soil of belgium and the wheels of artillery wagons sank axle-deep in the mud if only the ground had been dry if only the great gambler the genius the hero call him what you will but the gambler for all that if only he had staked his crown his honor and that of imperial france on some other stake than his artillery if only but who shall tell is it indeed a cloudburst that changed the whole destinies of europe ye materialists ye philosophers answer that is it to the rain that fell in such torrents until close on midday of that stupendous eighteenth of june that must be ascribed this wonderful and all-embracing change that came over the destinies of myriads of people of entire nations kingdoms and empires rather is it not because god just on that day of all days chose to show this world of pygmies great men valiant heroes controlling genius and all-powerful conquerors the entire extent of his might so far and no further and in order to show it he selected that simple seemingly futile means just a heavy shower of rain at half-past eleven the cannon began to roar on the plains of mont st john but not before before that it had rained rained heavily and the ground was soaked through and the all-powerful artillery of the most powerful military genius of all times was momentarily powerless had it not rained so persistently and so long that same compelling artillery would have begun its devastating work earlier in the day at six mayhap or mayhap at dawn another five six seven hours to add to the length of that awful day another five six seven hours wherein to tax the tenacity the heroic persistence of the british troops another five six seven hours of dogged resistance on the one side of impetuous charges on the other before the arrival of blucher and his prussians and the turning of the scales of blind justice against the daring gambler who had staked his all 
but it was only at half-past eleven that the cannon began to roar and the undulating plain carried the echo like a thunder-roll from heaving billow to heaving billow till it broke against the silent majesty of the forest of sone here with the forest as a background is the highest point of mont st jean and here beneath an overhanging elm all day on horseback anxious frigid and heroic is wellington with a rain of bullets all round him watching ceaselessly watching that horizon far away wrapped now in fog anon in smoke and soon in gathering darkness watching for the promised prussian army that was to ease the terrible burden of that desperate stand which the british troops were bearing and had borne all day with such unflinching courage and dogged tenacity it is in vain that his aides-de-camp beg him to move away from that perilous position my lord cries lord hill at last in desperation if you are killed what are we to do the same as i do now replies wellington unmoved hold this place to the last man then with a sudden outburst of vehemence that seems to pierce almost involuntarily the rigid armour of british phlegm and british self-control he calls to his old comrades of salamanca and vittoria boys which of us now can think of retreating what would england think of us if we do heroic unflinching and cool the british army has held its ground against the overwhelming power of napoleon's magnificent cavalry raw recruits some of them against the veterans of jena and of wagram but they have been ordered to hold the place to the last man and in close and serried squares they have held their ground ever since half-past eleven this morning while one after another the flower of napoleon's world-famed cavalry has been hurled against them cuirassiers chasseurs lancers up they come to the charge like whirlwinds up the declivities of the plateau like a whirlwind they rush upon those stolid immovable impenetrable squares attacking from every side making violent obstinate desperate onsets upon the stubborn angles the straight unshakable walls of red coats slashing at the bayonets with their swords at crimson breasts with their lances firing their pistols right between those glowing eyes right into those firm jaws and set teeth the sound of bullets on breastplates and helmets and epaulets is like a shower of hailstones upon a sheet of metal twice thrice nay more a dozen times they return to the charge and the plateau gleams with brandished steel like a thousand flashes of simultaneous fork-lightning on the vast canopy of a stormy sky from midday till after four a kind of mysterious haze covers this field of noble deeds fog 
after the rain wraps the gently billowing flemish ground in a white semi-transparent veil covers with impartial coolness all the mighty actions the heroic charges and still more heroic stands all the silent uncomplaining sufferings the glorious deaths all the courage and all the endurance through the gray mists we see a medley of moving colors blue and gray and scarlet and black of shakos and sabretoshes of english and french and hanoverian and scotch of opalettes and bare knees we hear the sound of carbine and artillery fire the clank of swords and bayonets the call of bugle and trumpet and the wail of the melancholy pibroch tunics and gold tassels and kilts a melody of sounds and of visions we see the attack on hugomont the appearance of bulow on the heights of st lambert the charge of the inniskillings and the scots greys the death of valiant ponsonby we see marshal ney prince of moscow the bravest soldier in france we see him everywhere where the malay is thickest everywhere where danger is most nigh his magnificent uniform torn to shreds his gold lace tarnished his hair and whiskers singed his face blackened by powder indomitable unconquerable superb we hear him cry where are those british bullets is there not one left for me he knows none better that the plains of mont st jean are the great gambling tables on which the supreme gambler napoleon once emperor of the french and master of half the world had staked his all if we come out of this alive and conquered he cries to hamus his aide-de-camp there will be only the hangman's rope left for us all and we see the gambler himself napoleon emperor still and still certain of victory on horseback all day riding from end to end of his lines he is gayer than he has ever been before at marengo he was despondent at austerlitz he was troubled but at waterloo he has no doubts the star of his destiny has risen more brilliant than ever before the day of france's glory has only just dawned he calls and his mind is full of projects the triumphant march back into paris the germans driven back to the rhine the english to the sea his only anxiety and it is a slight one still is that grouchy with his fresh troops is so late in arriving still the prussians are late too and the british cannot hold the place for ever at three o'clock the fog lifts the veil that has wrapped so many sounds such awful and wonderful visions in a kind of mystery is lifted now and it reveals what hougomont invested brave bearing there with a handful of men english german brunswickians making a last stand with ten rounds of ammunition 
left to them per man and the french engineers already battering in the gates of the enclosing wall that surrounds the chateau and chapel of goumont the farm of la haye saint taken nay there with his regiment of cuirassiers and five battalions of the old guard and the english lines on the heights of mont st jean apparently giving way we see too a vast hecatomb glory and might must claim their many thousand victims the dead and dying lie scattered like pawns upon an abandoned chessboard the humble pawns in this huge and final gamble for supremacy and power for national existence and for liberty hougomont la haye saint papelo are sown with illustrious dead but on the plateau of mont st jean the british still hold their ground wellington is still there on the heights with the majestic trees of saunier behind him the stately canopy of the elm above his head more frigid than before more heroic but also more desperately anxious blucher or nightfall he sighs as a fresh cavalry charge is hurled against those indomitable british squares the thirteenth assault and still they stand or kneel on one knee those gallant british boys bayonet in hand or carbine they fire fall out and reform again shaken hustled encroached on they may be but still they stand and fire with coolness and precision the ranks are not broken yet officers ride up to the field-marshal to tell him that the situation has become desperate their regiments decimated their men exhausted they ask for fresh orders but he has only one answer for them there are no fresh orders save to hold out to the last man and down in the valley at la belle alliance is the great gambler the man who to-day will either be emperor again a greater mightier monarch than even he has ever been or who will sink to a status which perhaps the meanest of his erstwhile subjects would never envy but just now at four o'clock when the fog has lifted he is flushed with excitement exulted in the belief in victory the english centre on mont st jean is giving way at last he is told the beginning of retreat he cries and he who had been anxious at austerlitz despondent at marengo is gay and happy and brimming full of hope de marmont he calls to his faithful friend de marmont go ride to paris now tell them that victory is ours no no he adds excitedly don't go all the way ride to grenop and send a message to paris from there then come back to be with us in the hour of victory and victor de marmont rides off in order to proclaim to the world at large the great victory which the emperor has won this day over all the armies of europe banded and coalesced against him from far away 
on the road of awan has come the first rumour that blucher and his body of prussians are nigh still several hours march from waterloo but advancing advancing for hours wellington has been watching for them until wearily he has sighed blucher or nightfall alone can save us from annihilation now the rumour oh it was merely the whispering of the wind but still a rumour nevertheless means fresh courage to tired half-spent troops even deeds of unparalleled heroism need the stimulus of renewed hope sometimes the rumour has also come to the ears of the emperor of ney and of all the officers of the staff they all know that those magnificent british troops whom they have fought all day must be nigh to their final desperate effort at last with naught left to them but their stubborn courage and that tenacity which has been ever since the wonder of the world they know these brave soldiers of napoleon who have fought and admired the brave foe that the first and second life-guards are decimated by now that entire british and german regiments are cut up that picton is dead the scots greys almost annihilated they know what havoc their huge cavalry charges have made in the magnificent squares of british infantry they know that heroism and tenacity and determination must give way at last before superior numbers before fresh troops before persistent ever renewed attacks only a few fresh troops and ney declares that he can conquer the final dogged endurance of the british troops before they in their turn receive the support of blucher and his prussians or before nightfall gives them a chance of rest so he sends colonel hamus to his emperor with the urgent message more troops i entreat more troops and i can break the english centre before the prussians come none knew better than he that this was the great hazard on which the life and honour of his emperor had been staked that imperial france was fighting hand to hand with great britain each for her national existence each for supremacy and might and the honour of her flag imperial france bold daring impetuous great britain tenacious firm and impassive wellington under the elm-tree calmly scanning the horizon while bullets whiz past around his head and ordering his troops to hold on to the last man the emperor on horseback under a hailstorm of shot and shell and bullets riding from end to end of his lines nay and his division of cuirassiers and grenadiers of the old guard had just obeyed the emperor's last orders which had been to take la haye saint at all costs and the intrepid marshal now flushed with victory had sent his urgent message to napoleon more troops and i can yet break through the english centre before the arrival of the prussians more troops cried the emperor in despair where am i to get them from 
am i a creator of men and from far away the rumour blucher and the prussians are nigh stop that rumour from spreading to the ears of our men in god's name don't let them know it adjures napoleon in a message to ney and he himself sends his own staff officers to every point of the field of battle to shout and proclaim the news that it is grouchy who is nigh grouchy with reinforcements grouchy with the victorious troops from ligny fresh from conquered laurels and the news gives fresh heart to the imperial troops viva la empereur they shout more certain than ever of victory the grey day has yielded at last to the kiss of the sun far away at bran la alude a vivid streak of gold has rent the bank of heavy clouds it is now close on seven o'clock there are two more hours to nightfall and blucher is not yet here some of the prussians have certainly debouched on Plantsenoy, but napoleon's old guard have turned them out again and from limal now comes the sound of heavy cannonade as if grouchy had come upon blucher after all and all hopes of reinforcements for the british troops were finally at an end napoleon emperor still and still flushed with victory looks through his glasses on the british lines to him it seems that these are shaken that wellington is fighting with the last of his men this is the hour then when victory awaits attentive ready to bestow her crown on him who can hold out and fight the longest on him who at the last can deliver the irresistible attack and napoleon gives the order for the final attack which must be more formidable more overpowering than any that have gone before the plateau of mont st jean he commands must be carried at all costs cuirassiers lancers and grenadiers then once more to the charge strew once more the plains of waterloo with your dying and your dead up milhaud with your guards porret with your grenadiers michael with your chasseurs up ye heroes of a dozen campaigns of a hundred victories up ye old growlers with the fur bonnets napoleon's invincible old guard with ney himself to lead you a hero among heroes the bravest where all are brave have you ever seen a tidal wave of steel rising and surging under the lash of the gale so they come now those cuirassiers and lancers and chasseurs their helmets their swords their lances gleaming in the golden light of the sinking sun in closed ranks stirrup to stirrup they swoop down into the valley and raise again scaling the muddy heights superb as on parade with their finest generals at their head milhaud hanrian michael mallet and ney between them all splendid they are and certain of victory they gallop past as if at a review on the place du carousel opposite the windows of the tuileries all to the repeated cry of viva l'empereur 
and as they gallop past the wounded and the dying lift themselves up from the blood-stained earth and raise their feeble voices to join in that triumphant call viva la emperor there's an old veteran there who fought at austerlitz and at jena he has three stripes upon his sleeve but both his legs are shattered and he lies on the roadside propped up against a hedge and as the superb cavalry ride proudly by he shouts lustily forward comrades a last victorious charge long live the emperor after that who was to blame was human agency to blame did ney the finest cavalry leader in napoleon's magnificent army the veteran of an hundred glorious victories did he make the one blunder of his military career by dividing his troops into too many separate columns rather than concentrating them for the one all-powerful attack upon the british centres did he indeed mistake the way and lead his splendid cavalry by roundabout crossways to the plateau instead of by the straight brussels road or did the obscure traitor over whom history has thrown a veil of mystery betray this fresh advance against the british centre to wellington was any man to blame was it not rather the hand of god that had already fallen with almighty and divine weight upon the ambitious and reckless adventurer was it not the voice of god that spoke to him through the cannon's roar of waterloo so far but no farther shalt thou go enough of thy will and thy power and thy ambition enough of this scourge of bloodshed and of misery which i have allowed thee to wield for so long enough of devastated homes of starvation and of poverty enough of the fatherless and of the widow and up above on the plateau the british troops hear the thunder of thousands of horses hoofs galloping galloping to this last charge which must be irresistible and sturdy wearied hands black with powder and stained with blood grasp more firmly still the bayonet the rifle or the carbine and they wait those exhausted intrepid valiant men they wait for that thundering charge with wide open eyes fixed upon the crest of the hill they wait for the charge they are ready for death but they are not prepared to yield along the edge of the plateau in a huge semicircle that extends from hougomont to the brussels road the british gunners wait for the order to fire behind them wellington eagle-eyed and calm warned by god or by a traitor but still by god of the coming assault on his positions scours the british lines from end to end valiant maitland is there with his brigade of guards and adam with his artillery there are vandeleur's and vivian's cavalry and colin halkett's guards heroes all ready to die and hearing the approach of death in that distant roar of thunder the onrush of napoleon's invincible cavalry 
here too further out toward the east and the west extending the british lines as far as nivelles on one side and brussels on the other are william halket's hanoverians duplot's german brigade the dutch and the belgians the brunswickers and omptada's decimated corps the french royalists are here too scattered among the foreign troops brother prepared to fight brother to the death st genis is among the brunswickers but bobby clifford is with maitland's guards and now the wave of steel is surging up the incline the gleam of shining metal pierces the distant haze casks and lances glitter in the slowly sinking sun whilst from billow to billow the echo brings to straining ears the triumphant cry viva l'empereur five minutes later the british artillery ranged along the crest has made a huge breach in that solid moving mass of horses and of steel quickly the breach is repaired the ranks close up again this is a parade a review the eyes of france are upon her sons and viva l'empereur still they come volley after volley from the british guns makes deadly havoc among those glistering ranks but nevertheless they come no halt save for the quick closing up into serried orderly columns and then on with the advance like the surging up of a tidal wave against the cliffs on with the advance up the slopes toward the crest where those who are in the front ranks are mowed down by the british guns their places taken by others from the rear those others mowed down again and again replaced falling in their hundreds as they reach the crest like the surf that shivers and dies as it strikes against the cliffs ney's horse is killed under him the fifth to-day but he quickly extricates himself from saddle and stirrups and continues on his way on foot sword in hand the sword that conquered at austerlitz at Ilo, and at moscow round him the grenadiers of the old guard they with the fur bonnets and the grizzled moustaches tighten up their ranks they advance behind the cavalry and after every volley from the british guns they shout loudly viva l'empereur and anon the tidal wave despite the ebb despite the constant breaking of its surf has by sheer force of weight hurled itself upon the crust of the plateau the brunswickers on the left are scattered cleves and lloyd have been forced to abandon their guns the british artillery is silenced and the chasseurs of michael hold the extreme edge of the upland and turn a deadly fusillade upon colin halket's brigade already attacked by milhaud and his guards and now severely shaken see the english general cries Duchad to his cuirassiers. He is between two fires. He cannot escape. No, he cannot, but he ceases 
the colours of the thirty-third whose young lieutenant has just fallen and who threatens to yield under the devastating cross-fire he brandishes the tattered colours high up above his head as high as he can hold them he calls to his men to rally and then falls grievously wounded but his guards have rallied they stand firm now and duchaud chewing his grey moustache murmurs his appreciation of so gallant a foe that side will win he mutters who can best keep on killing up guards and at them maitland's brigade of guards had been crouching in the corn crouching waiting for the order to charge red-coated lions in the ripening corn ready to spring at the word and death the harvester-in-chief stands by with his scythe ready for the mowing up guards and at them it is maitland and his gallant brigade of guards out of the corn they rise and front the three battalions of michael's chasseurs who were the first to reach the highest point of the hill they fire and death with his scythe has laid three hundred low the tricolor flag is riddled with grape-shot and general michael has fallen then indeed the mighty wave of steel can advance no longer for it is confronted with an impenetrable wall a wall of living palpitating heroic men men who for hours have stood their ground and fought for the honour of britain and of her flag men who with set teeth and grim determination were ready to sell their lives dearly if lives were to be sold men in fact who have had their orders to hold out to the last man and who are going to obey those orders now up guards and at them and surprised bewildered staggered the chasseurs pause three hundred of their comrades lie dead or dying on the ground they pause their ranks are broken with his last dying sigh brave general michael tries to rally them but he breathes his last ere he succeeds his second in command loses his head he should have ordered a bayonet charge sudden swift and sure against that red wall that rushes at them with such staggering power but he too tries to rally his men to reform their ranks how can they reform as for parade under the deadly fire of the british guards confusion begins its deathly sway the chasseurs under conflicting orders stand for full ten minutes almost motionless under that devastating fire and far away on the heights of frischemont the first line of prussian bayonets are seen silhouetted against the sunset sky wellington has seen it blucher has come at last one final effort one more mighty gigantic superhuman struggle and the glorious end would be in sight he gives the order for a general charge forward boys cries colonel saltoon to his brigade now is the time heads down the british charge the chasseurs are already scattered 
but behind the chasseurs fronting maitland's brigade fronting adam and his artillery fronting saltoon and colborne the fire-eater the old guard is seen to advance the old guard who through twelve campaigns and an hundred victories have shown the world how to conquer and how to die when michael's chasseurs were scattered when their general fell when the english lines exhausted and shaken for a moment rallied at wellington's call up guards and at them when from far away on the heights of frischmont the first line of prussian bayonets were silhouetted against the sunset sky then did napoleon's old growlers with their fur bonnets and their grizzled moustaches enter the line of action to face the english guards they were facing death and knew it but still they cried viva la empereur heads down the british charge whilst from ohain comes the roar of blucher's guns and up from the east zeiten with the prussians rushes up to join in the assault then the carnage begins for the old guard is still advancing in solid squares solemn unmoved magnificent the bronze eagles on their bonnets catch the golden rays of the setting sun thus they advance in face of deadly fire they fall like corn before the scythe a sublime suicide to the cry of viva la empereur and not one of the brigade is missing except those who are dead they know none better that this is the beginning of the end perhaps they do not care to live if their emperor is to be emperor no longer if he is to be sent back to exile to the prison of elba or worse and so they advance in serried squares while maitland's artillery has attacked them in the rear great gaps are made in those ranks but they are quickly filled up again the squares become less solid smaller but they remain compact still they advance but now close behind them blucher's guns begin to thunder and zeiten's columns are rapidly gaining ground all round their fur bonnets a hailstorm of grape-shot is raging whilst adam's artillery is in action within fifty paces at their flank but the old growlers who had suffered death with silent fortitude in the snows of russia who had been as grand in their defeat at moscow and at leipzig as they had been in the triumphs of auerstadt or of friedland they neither staggered nor paused in their advance on they went carrying their muskets on their shoulders a cloud of tirolers in front of them right into the cross-fire of the british guns their loud cry of viva la empereur drowning that other awesome terrible cry which some one had raised a while ago and which now went from mouth to mouth we are betrayed save qui put the prussians were in their rear the british were charging their front and panic had seized the most brilliant cavalry the world had ever seen save qui put 
is echoed now and re-echoed all along the crest of the plateau and the echo rolls down the slope into the valley where reels infantry and a regiment of coraceurs and three more battalions of chasseurs are making ready to second the assault on mont st jean reel and his infantry pause and listen the coraceurs halt in their upward movement whilst up on the ridge of the plateau where donzelot's grenadiers have attacked the brigade of kempt and lambert and pack the whisper goes from mouth to mouth we are betrayed save qui put panic seizes the younger men they turn their horses heads back toward the slopes the stampede has commenced very soon it grows the british in front the prussians in the rear save qui put nay amongst them is almost unrecognizable his face is coal-black with powder he has no hat no epaulettes and only half a sword rage anguish bitterness are in his husky voice as he adjures entreats calls to the demoralized army and insults it execrates it in turn but nothing but death will stop that army now in its headlong flight at least stop and see how a marshal of france dies on the field of honor he calls but the voice which led these same men to victory at moscow has lost its potency and its magic the men cry viva nay but they do not stand the stampede has become general in the valley below the infantry has started to run up the slope of la belle alliance after it the cavalry with reins hanging loose stirrups lost casks sabretages muskets anything that impedes thrown into the fields to right and left la haye saint is evacuated hougomont is abandoned papelot plancenoy the woods the plains are only filled with running men and the thunder of galloping chargers alone the old guard has remained unshaken whilst all around them what was once the grand army is shattered destroyed melting like ice before a devastating fire they have continued to advance sublime in their fortitude in their endurance their contempt for death one by one their columns are shattered and there are none now to replace those that fall and as the gloom of night settles on this vast hecatomb on the plateau of mont st jean the conquerors of jena and austerlitz and friedland make their last stand round the bronze eagle all that is left to them of the glories of the past and when from far away the cry of save qui put has become only an echo and the bronze eagle shattered by a bullet lies prone upon the ground shielded against capture in its fall by a circling mountain of dead when finally night wraps all the heroism the glory the sorrow and the horrors of this awful day in the sable folds of her all-embracing mantle napoleon's old guard has ceased to be and out in the western sky a streak of vivid crimson 
like human blood has broken the bosom of the clouds the glow of the sinking sun rests on this huge dissolution of what was once so glorious and unconquered and great then it is that wellington rides to the very edge of the plateau and fronts the gallant british troops at this supreme hour of oncoming victory and lifting his hat high above his head he waves it three times in the air and from right and left they come british hanoverians belgians and brunswickers to deliver the final blow to this retreating army wounded already unto death they charge now they charge all of them cavalry infantry gunners forty thousand men who have forgotten exhaustion forgotten what they have suffered forgotten what they had endured on they come with a rush like a torrent let loose the confusion of sounds and sights becomes a pandemonium of hideousness bugles and drums and trumpets and bagpipes all mingle merge and die away in the fast-gathering twilight and the tidal wave of steel recedes down the slopes of mont st jean into the valley and thence up again on belle alliance with a melee of sounds like the breaking of a gigantic line of surf against the irresistible cliffs or the last drawn-out sigh of agony of dying giants in primeval times on the road to genappe in the mystery of the moonlight night a solitary rider turned into a field and dismounted carried along for a time by the stream of the panic he found himself for a moment comparatively alone left as it were high and dry by the same stream which here had divided and flowed on to right and left of him he wore a grey redding coat and a shabby bicorn hat having dismounted he slipped the bridle over his arm and started to walk beside his horse back toward waterloo a sleep-walker in pursuit of his dream heavy banks of grey clouds chased one another with mad fury across the midsummer sky now obscuring the cold face of the moon now allowing her pale silvery rays to light up this gigantic panorama of desolation and terror and misery to right and left along the roads and lanes across grassland and cornfields canals ditches and fences the last of the grand army was flying headlong closely pursued by the prussians and at the farm of la belle alliance wellington and blucher had met and shaken hands and had thanked god for the great and glorious victory but the sleep-walker went on in pursuit of his dream he walked with measured steps beside his weary horse his eyes fixed on the horizon far away where the dull crimson glow of smouldering fires threw its last weird light upon this vast abode of the dead and the dying he walked on slowly and mechanically back to the scene 
of the overwhelming cataclysm where all his hopes lay irretrievably buried he walked on majestic as he had never been before in the brilliant throne-room of the tuileries or the mystic vastness of notre dame when the imperial crown sat so ill upon his plebeian head he walked on silent exalted and great great through the magnitude of his downfall and to right and left of him like the surf that recedes on a pebbly beach the last of his once invincible army was flying back to france back in the wake of those who had been lucky enough to fly before bodies of men who had been the last to realize that an heroic stand round a falling eagle could no longer win back that which was lost and that if life be precious it could only be had in flight bits of human wreckage too forgotten by the tide they all rolled and rushed and swept past the silent wayfarer quite close at times so close that every man could see him quite distinctly could easily distinguish by the light of the moon the grey redingote and the battered hat which they all knew so well which they had been wont to see in the forefront of an hundred victorious charges now half blinded by despair and by panic they gazed with uncomprehending eyes on the man and on the horse and merely shouted to him as they rushed galloping or running by the prussians are on us suave qui put and the dreamer still looked on that distant crimson glow and in the bosom of those wind-swept clouds he saw the pictures of austerlitz and jena and wagram pictures of glory and might and victory and the shouts which he heard were the ringing cheers round the bivouac fires of long ago End of chapter nine